0: Colossians chapter 3 together, we'll pick up where we left off in the Word of God, verse number 18. The message tonight is God's divine order for family relationships. You know, a lot of times things in the New Testament are repeated, and they're done so on purpose. He knows he said this before, but he includes it again for our own admonition and emphasis. So I'm in Colossians chapter 3, and we'll pick up where we left off verse number 18 together. The Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives And be not bitter against them, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray that your will would be done in, in our homes And Lord, we feel the attacks of society and the world on our homes. And Lord, we feel unable and weak, Lord, to do what needs to be done to strengthen our homes. And we ask for your help and we pray that your perfect will would be done. I pray, Lord, as we're in this building together, everybody is either someone's husband or someone's wife or someone's child or someone's father. We all have family relationships that we need to do your will concerning. Help us to see your will for our lives. And Lord, may we see it plainly. And help us not to kick against what you have for us, what you want us to be. And may we not be dictated by the circumstances and the problems that are in our families. But may our lives be led by the word of God and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we'll thank you for the help that you give because our homes need help, Lord. And we thank you for the good homes that we have in our church. But Lord, every one of them is not without the need of your help. And so we pray that you would give some tonight, and that you would protect some of our families and marriages and children, and Lord, that you'd give us direction with these things. Please help us, Lord. We've heard these verses, many of us, all our lives, and yet, Lord, sometimes we come so short of what you have said. So may we afresh, just fresh and anew in our hearts, look at these things. And we'll thank you in Christ Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You know, I think every preceding generation obviously is getting farther and farther away from God. And we are getting deeper and deeper into the jungle of man's own sinful insanity. It's been said either back to the Bible or back to the jungle. It seems like we're going deeper and deeper into that jungle. And the Bible tells us about our relationships and how we're supposed to have them. He tells us about our homes and we are seeing the breakdown of our homes. We're seeing the breakdown of marriage as an institution. We're seeing the breakdown of what it means to be a man, of what it means to be a woman, of what a family unit is supposed to be. There are so many attacks against our homes. Uh, They're in the media. They're in front of our faces with the people that we know that we rub shoulders with. The attacks of our homes are satanic. They are in our minds. They are in the actions that that are taken about people in our family. And, you know, the truth is none of us control can control what the people in our family do, what they think. And if you think you can, you're probably going to be shocked one day. You can control what's in your heart and mind, but you can't control what's in somebody else's heart and mind. So the thing to do is, as a church, for all of us to have the right heart and the right mind. And God tells us how to do that. And I don't think in this generation that we could emphasize the need and the help for our families in a greater way. Uh, we We couldn't emphasize it too much. God Almighty in the Bible tells us some simple things about the family. Okay? Now, if anybody, if anybody had all the answers to our homes. Do you think it's God? Do you think he knows all the psychology? you think there's any psychologist that knows more about relationships than God? Do, do you think there's anybody that's got any better ideas than God? How much in God's brain do you think is there about the needs for our marriages and our children, our families? you think it's pretty, pretty extensive? With all of that information... And all the things he could have said, he boils it down and makes it real simple. Would you think about that just for a minute? I mean, God could have had a book in the Bible called the home book. It would have been the greatest book in the world on the home. And he could have gone in detail, right? It's not like he didn't know the problems that were going to come up throughout human history. We're just repeating the same problems and multiplying them of past generations. He knows all of what it's about. Nothing takes him by surprise. But he did not put a book in your Bible just about the home and give you all the details of that. He, in this book of the Bible, just as others, he gives you about four simple things. Now, I find that astounding. I find that astounding for more than one reason. Number one, because usually when you make something so simple, people come up to you and say, it's not that simple, preacher. That's what you get. It can't be that simple. But mind you, that's what they say about salvation. Right? It just can't be that simple. You know what I appreciate about God? He makes it so simple that the dumbest of us ought to be able to get it. Isn't that wonderful? He can make it so complicated and so hard to reach that none of us could ever be the father or the husband or the wife or the mother or the child, right? He can make it so it's just unreachable. He said, tell you what I'm going to do. Just do these things. And when you go through them, people roll their eyes and they shake their heads. And and they say, that's not the answer. Am I right? And the same people that are saying that this is not the answer are the same people that are not following this. Now, I'm not saying that these verses that we read tonight will make every problem in the family go away. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this is God's divine order for family relationships. And it works. And we are getting farther and farther away from what I just read tonight. Farther away. As a matter of fact, as we read tonight and what we've read tonight, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Somebody would look at that material and say that that is cultic. They would say that that is misogynistic, that that is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And if you believe that and follow that, you're part of a cult. Well, this is what I want to say. They're a part of a cult. This world is deep into God said this. We, I didn't say this. I didn't write this. It wasn't just Paul. This is the holy word of God. And this is what God expects in family relationships. This is His order of things. Have you noticed there's chaos in the world? Have you noticed there's chaos in people's minds? There's no order about anything. That's because nobody wants to follow God's rules and God's order of the way the creation is supposed to go, the way our families are supposed to go. And so we have a breakdown of the home because people don't want to accept these simple things that God says our relationship should show forth. So... As we start the and, and and I have to say that because as we start on the first one, verse eighteen, wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as a fit in the Lord. I, I can't tell you why God always addresses the wives first. I, I can't tell you why that is, but I can tell you that is the way it is. And somebody immediately say, oh, "You people are crazy." Well, I think you think you can be a woman when you're a man is crazy. I think transgenderism is crazy. I think sodomy's crazy. I think climate change hoax is crazy. I think socialism. I think everything the world does is crazy. I think they've lost their ever-loving minds on everything. And they want to look at people that are looking at the Bible. We didn't come up with this. We we didn't say, hey, let's subjugate women and do this, that, and the other thing and manipulate. No, no. We're just trying to read the Bible and say, God, whatever you say, I'm game. I'm going to submit to what you said because I don't have the answer. I don't know how the family's supposed to survive. I don't know how the marriage is supposed to survive. I don't know how to help the children. But you put this in the Bible. I'm going to do it your way. If it fails, I'll do it doing what you said. Amen. So let's look at the text. Wives, submit yourselves. Unto your own husbands. I see a couple things there. It's this wives submit yourselves. That means you're doing that in your own self. That means it's voluntary. We have to say that for all of the gorilla ape men that think it's their job to subjugate their own wives. See, see, see the, the, when you look at all the Bible, it never goes the way you think it's going to go. It doesn't say, Husbands, make sure your wives are submitted. That don't work. You know the only way it'll work, ladies? You've got to want to do that. It's got to be your choice. And there ain't no man in this building that can force his wife to submit. Because there's something in the human nature that says, No, sir. So God says, Wives, Submit yourselves. Do this voluntary. Yeah, but you don't know what a blockhead I'm married to. Well, that's why it's got to be voluntary. Well, he's not as spiritual as I am. I would. I'll I'll give you that. That's why it's got to be voluntary. But you can do it. You can even do it no matter the fact that you're more spiritual than he is, you're smarter than he is, you can still do it voluntarily. Though he never has the answers and he messes it all up. But if he would just do it your way, I get it. But just as Jesus submitted himself... See, all of us are trying to learn how to be like Jesus anyway. You, you ladies ha- have a step up upon us men. You can probably get to be like Jesus quicker than we can. How's that? Because you can voluntarily submit yourself to someone else, and that is the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Well, he's not always right. Well, God will bless you for doing what you're supposed to do. And if he didn't do what he's not supposed to do, let let God deal with him. God's bigger than your husband. Amen. You say, well, it it won't work out. It ain't going to work out if you try to fix it either. So you might as well just do it God's way and please the Lord and get the blessing of the Lord on your life. Wives, submit yourselves, not made, not forced, not manipulated, voluntary. I guarantee any any guy that has to go around and tell people he's the head of his house is not the head of his house. Just like any pastor that has to go around and say how he's in charge all the time. It means he is not in charge. Just like any parent. It's trying to make sure their authority is known. That means they don't have much. So the first thing I see in this text is written to the ladies. And by the way, if you're a young lady and you're not married, if you don't want to do that, please don't get married. How about that? How about that for good advice? Just stay single, then you won't ever have to obey no husband. That is an option. Well, I don't like that. Well, just don't do it. And so the world, what they want to do is say, well, I don't like that. So, they, you know, they go, they go have a baby without a husband. Yeah. Because they don't want to follow God's rules, and they create a monster. God says, wives, submit yourselves. It's a voluntary thing. Watch it, ladies. He says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Well, you ought to stand up and shout there. You don't, have to, you don't have to submit yourself to everybody else's husband. This is not, amen, all the women being subservient to all the men. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this, look, in all the universe, you've got to pick the one that you'll be submissive to. And as Brother Farley said, I can't help it that you made a bad choice. You could have picked anybody. Getting feedback on that. <laughs> anybody. So here's the thing. You picked him. But instead of looking at all the negative of that, look at all the positive of that. I mean, he, he's got to answer to God for things you don't even have to answer to God for. Yeah. Get a new sound system and get an upgrade. Yeah. I don't really need this thing to preach, but. I mean, there's a positive. I mean, he has to answer to God for all those stupid decisions. So just submit yourself. And, guys, what we live in right now, we live in a matriarchal society. And it's not of God, and it produces sodomites. How's that? And I'll even go a step further with that. Jordan Peterson, the psychologist, he's not saved. I don't. He don't even know if there's a God. But that that dude from England, that smart guy from England, is working on him. That's a whole other story. But Jordan Peterson said. Reason we have so many homosexuals, we have we have overprotective mothers. Boy, that's that's a devastating comment. That's a clinical psychologist. You know what we need? We need strong men and feminine women. And if we don't have that, that's why it's crazy, ladies. When you try to take charge of your home. You're helping the transgender movement. Do you see that? When you're not letting the man take the prominent role, as God says, to be the leader and the responsible one in the home, you're promoting that idea of swapping the roles. And and it's not of God, and it doesn't work. I don't think there's one lady in here that wants a pansy for a husband. Is that plain enough? Well, don't try to turn them into one. Submissiveness. And it it's voluntary, and it's just to your husband. It's not to everybody else's husband. It's not to other men. It's to your man. And then he says this wives, submit yourselves under your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. It's fit. It's proper. It's fitting. The perfect definition of that word. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. And ladies, ladies, th- this is not. This is not beating up on women. This is the glorification of how God made us different. There are so many areas that you ladies have so much more going for you than we do. But God says that this is my my order. This is the way I want it to be done. And he deals with the wives first because it's the first one to be thrown away. Did you hear what I said? It's the first principle of the home to be thrown away. And if you believe what I'm preaching tonight, the world will say, you are crazy. Genesis chapter 2, as it is fit in the Lord, he says, He says in verse number 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. So this woman is made a help for the man. Well, that that sounds a little sexist. She was made to be his helper. And God says that was meat. They fit. You know women and men fit? In a whole lot of ways. God made a man and a woman to fit together in life. And it doesn't make one better than the other. It just, that's, they're made for, in, for different roles. And it's fitting And he says, be subject to your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. It's fitting. In Genesis chapter 3, he says, and that was before the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, when the fall takes place, he says in verse 16 of Genesis 3, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So, ladies, you could say that this order does have something to do with the fall. It has something to do with sin in the garden. And you say, well, that's not fair. Well, if you were there, you'd have done the same thing. I believe that. I believe if I was there, I would have done what Adam did. And if you were there and you're a woman, you'd have done what. She, she's the best woman in the world you understand she is perfect there's not a lady in this building that would hold a candle to Eve before before the fall she's perfect in every way you would not have done better than her and you and I guys we wouldn't have done better than Adam and so as a result of that he says, okay, the man, he, he was not in the transgression, the woman was in the transgression. She was deceived. So what I want to make here is the order and the, the man, the husband is going to rule over the wife. Now God says that three other times in the New Testament, besides, in Colossians chapter 3. I'll just tell them to you, if you want to hear them, you should know them probably. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 24. Tells us about how the wife is to submit herself to her own husband as to the Lord. Then the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5, it says the same thing. It says that the ladies are to be obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Also tells them to love their husbands in that text. And then in First Peter chapter 3, the Bible repeats it another time. This is not a made-up doctrine. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament doctrine. He says in First Peter chapter 3 verse 1, Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. And he repeats it again in verse number 5. So it's it is a fact of the Scripture. And all of us can always give excuses or reasons why we don't do what God tells us to do. But it never works out. So what's God's divine order for family relationships? For wives to submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Okay, let's go to the next one. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. He says, you guys are such blockheads, I really have to make this easy for you. I want you to love that woman. Well, of course I love her. (laughs) Not the way you did before you married her. Well, that didn't go over well. Because as you live with her, things change. And when you fell in love with her, you didn't have to live with her. So as you live with her, he continues to remind, hey, hey, love that woman. But love that woman. Guys, can we love her enough to be faithful to her? Can we love our wives not to give ourselves to other women even with our minds? Can we love them that much? Can we love them enough to provide for them? Can we love them enough to stay right with God? Can we love them enough to be filled with the Spirit and led by the Lord So that they can truly trust our judgment and our leadership. Can we love them enough to submit our own selves and our own wills to God? Showing them an example of how to submit to us. Because if we can't submit to God who is perfect and sinless. How are they going to submit to us when we are imperfect and full of sin? Can we love them that much? I, I really think there's not a man in here that really loves his wife if you're not submitted to God, if, you don't love, if you're not yielded to God, if you're not right with God, you don't love your wife because she needs you to love God. She needs you to be right with God. How much do you love your wife? Do you love her enough not to get bitter at her? Look at the phrase, guys. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Can I read between the lines there? Doesn't it look like that the man in this passage is having a hard time swallowing some things about his wife? Would we overestimate the matter to say that? I don't think he would have to say that if he had a a wife, amen, that made him feel like a god. If when he came home, he felt like he was just tipping on the two lips, How can you be bitter against something like that? Why did he say that? Is anybody thinking with me? Husbands, love your wife and be not bitter against them. Well, why would he be bitter against her? Because maybe it's not Disneyland at home. Maybe it's not all how he dreamed it would be. Maybe she gets under his skin and gets on his nerves. And this is the danger. The the issue for the wives is the issue of submission. That's, That's hard for them. The issue for the husbands is the issue of bitterness. Guys, when you get bitter at your wives, you are letting a root grow in your life, Hebrews says, and many are going to be defiled. All we have to do to destroy our kids is have a home where a wife is not submitted to her husband and a husband is bitter at his wife and everything is ruined. You say, well, you don't know what she did. Don't be bitter. See, guys, it's the same thing. You get on the one verse, and everybody says, but you don't. You get on the other verse, and they say, but you don't. And God just says, do what I said. Be not bitter. I tell you what, I don't want to be a bitter Christian. I don't want to be a bitter husband. I don't want to be a bitter father because it's contagious, and it destroys people. And when a husband gets bitter at the wife, I'm telling you what, there are things that the preacher and the church ain't going to be able to fix. So you better just, whatever it is, take your bitterness and throw it in the blood of Jesus. Because that's the commandment of Almighty God. Preacher. Preacher. Tell me how as a husband I'm supposed to get my forty-five and shoot all those people and protect her. God doesn't even tell you to protect her. He tells you not to be bitter at her. Preacher, tell me about how I'm supposed to work that job and pay all the bills and and do everything and, and meet all her needs. Tell me about that. God didn't even tell you that. He said don't be bitter against her. The will of God for our lives, gentlemen, is to love our wives and to be not bitter against them. And some people have a harder job than others. Just like the women. Bless their hearts. Some of them have a harder job than others. But this is still God's divine order. Well, let's move on, verse 20. Children. And the teenagers say, that's not me. He didn't say teens. Well, he don't ever say teens. (laughs) But if you're not an adult, you're a child. I'm sure that's not very well appreciated. (laughs) Children, obey your parents in all things. So here we are training our children not to be obedient. We are training disobedience by rewarding disobedience and rewarding the um, casting off of our own words to them. We tell them what to do and they don't do it and we don't give them any discipline for it. So we're teaching disobedience to them. If you have to tell your child to do something three times, you're training a disobedient child. Children, obey your parents. Now, the best situation is if a child watches mama obey her husband, they got a real head up in that game. If a child watches dad obeying God... They've got a real benefit to help them with that thing. You know what I think God probably gets tired of? He's got the children third in the list. I think God probably gets tired of us telling our kids what to do when we don't do what He tells us what to do. And we're being... And He's he's rebellious. He's a rebellious kid. And why can't they do what, 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 what we tell them to do? And they're... Can you see the hypocrisy and God's just looking up there and he's just going. You ain't done half of what I told you to do in the Bible and you're all on little junior. And their brain ain't even fully developed. And you got a full grown brain. And you've lived long enough and you can't obey me. You can't even pray and read your Bible and tithe and love your wife and submit to your husband and your own little junior because they're a bunch of hellions? That came across rough. You know rough preaching. You know what rough preaching is? When I was young, I used to think what, I thought I knew what rough preaching is. I didn't know what, you know what rough preaching is? Rough preaching is where you live. It's how your life is. Children, obey your parents. We do not want to raise children that aren't obeying their parents because they're never going to obey God. And we need the help of God in our homes. We need revival in our homes. We have lots of disobedience in our homes. And so the children say what the wives and the husbands say. They say, well, you don't know how unfair it is at my house. And you don't know what I have to live with in my house. I'm going to tell you this, young person. We we, we have such messed up homes in our society. We do have kids that are coming out of terribly broken homes. Are you listening to me? And they've seen things that children never ought to have to see. And they hear things that children ought never have to hear. But this is, the, this is the long and short of it. If you're in a broken home, if you're in a terrible situation, that does not resolve you of your responsibility to be an obedient child. You're just going to be part of the problem. And so we have children growing up that are making excuses for their wickedness because, well, I was treated this way as a child, and this is who my dad was, and this is what my mom was like, and this is how I lived. It doesn't matter. If you don't obey God, you're going to have a messed up life, and you're going to suffer for it. Guys, all of us are doing what they did in the garden. We just keep passing the stinking buck. By the way, children, young people obeying your parents, it's not just when they can see you obey them. There's probably a lot of disobedience to parents going on that some of our parents don't know nothing about. And God sees it, and it's forming their character. If we can't obey God and get to church and do right, what are they going to do when they grow up? He says, children, obey your parents, and then he says, in all things. I know that seems unfair. I do want to caveat that, though. I do want to make a caveat there. He says, children, obey your parents in all things. There is always a higher authority in life, and it ends with this book and with God. And if I lived in a different generation, I wouldn't have to say this. But there are some children being told to do perverted things by their own parents. And you don't have to do that. How about that? And I'm not even going to go into that. You do not have to submit yourself unto something that is perverted or immoral. It doesn't matter who tells you to do it. Amen and amen to that. So we do have a caveat with that. That, I would say, goes to the wives as well. Well, let's get the last verse. He says in verse number 20, oh, by the way, in the verse 20, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. You know where we want to get every young person in this room? What your, your ideal thing you want in your life, it should be, I just want to please the Lord. What you ought to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be somebody that pleases the Lord. Because if you don't please the Lord, then your life is useless. It's not worth anything. What we're trying to ingrain into our children is that everything about their life is to please the Lord. It's not just to follow my rules. I'm wanting them to be obedient not just because I want them to do what I say. I'm wanting them to be obedient because I want them to please God. I want them to have a relationship with God. I want their heart to want God's approval. Not my approval, but God's approval. I'm trying... I'm trying to connect my child with God. Not just the way. This is the way that you're going to live. And this is what you have to do. No, I'm trying to connect them with God. I want them to please the Lord. Not just when they're 12 or when they're 9 or when they're 15. But when they, when they get up on in, in the years, amen, they're having families of their own. I want them to be driven to please God. It starts real young. And it starts real young when they don't want to please him. I tell our young people this. If you don't want to please your parents, you don't want to please God. You're just trying to please yourself. And that's what this verse is trying to correct in the character of the children. Twenty-one. Fathers. Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now, immediately, in my mind, because I am a father, I want to say, well, why didn't he say for the mothers to do anything? He didn't even address the mothers. Is that not interesting? He puts it on the fathers. Now that doesn't mean the mother doesn't need to be involved. But it seems like he's, he's putting the breakdown of many things happening in the home on the daddy. And when he, ha- when he tells us to be a good father... He tells us something that I'm not interested in. What what do I need to do to be a good father? If you would write out what is a good father, what would you write down? What, What would be the thing that he does or doesn't do? When God writes it out, he says this. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. I bet that wasn't on your list. He says, quit making your kids angry. I think we've had a lot of independent Baptist kids that have gotten angry because of their fathers. Now, i got to caveat that there are some kids that get angry if they have to take out the trash. That's not what he's talking about because he just said in the previous verse they're to be obedient. But evidently there's something the fathers can do outside of the standard obedience that can make their children angry. They can provoke them. He said in another way in Ephesians 6, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Mm. I think a lot of us have been guilty of provoking our children to anger. He says, lest they be discouraged. You know what the issue for the wife is submission. The issue for the husband is bitterness. The issue for the children is obedience. The issue for the fathers, listen, they don't care about their kids' feelings. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be. The issue with the fathers is, get up, it up, go here, go there, do this. Why aren't you doing that? (laughs) And they don't even understand or care to get into the heart and mind of how that child is being affected. And what they're going through. And whether or not they are angry. Whether or not they're discouraged. They don't even care what they're feeling. Just do what I say. And you know why, How we see that? Fathers don't talk to their children enough because we don't want to know how they're feeling. And I, I know it, dads. It's hard. I, I sat down with all my kids and I tried to talk to them, and that's—it's like—it's like going to the dentist, man. You know you got to do it, but you feel like you're not getting very far. It's always painful, painful for them. It's painful for you. But if you don't talk to them and find out where their heart is, I, I was pretty rough on, on on my eldest right there. I was pretty rough on him. So if he's got any problems, you can just blame them on me. I was pretty rough on him. But throughout that, I'd stop. I'd, I'd try to talk to him. I did my best. I tried to tried to get into his heart and get in his mind, I let him know I love him because because I didn't want him to think it was just about him doing what I wanted him to do. There's a bigger picture here, and son, I really do love you. Amen. That's good. And I'm interested in how hard it is for you to go through these transitions in your life that boy went through transitions man took him out from america when he's 12 years old try that young people you, you your dad just grabs you up and takes you halfway around the world you don't know anybody different culture he had issues man and it's like the lord said you think he might be discouraged I've had to apologize I've, I've apologized to him since he's been a grown man. Said, son, you know, I wasn't the best dad. I, I was pretty rough on you sometimes. The last one I need to apologize for not being rough enough. It's okay to apologize to you, kids. Amen. Yes, sir. But here's the question here's the question. I wonder how many of our children are discouraged. That's in the Bible. I wonder how many of them are discouraged. Now, if they're discouraged because they're not getting their own way and they don't get to live a worldly lifestyle and they don't get to partake in sin, that's one thing. If they're discouraged just because it's rough being a young person, man. It's just hard growing up. You guys remember some of that? And the Lord says to the dad, won't you pay enough attention to see whether or not your child is discouraged or angry? And sir, it would help if you're not discouraged or angry. Because, how are you going to help the discouraged and the angry if you're discouraged and angry? God doesn't want any of us to be discouraged. He says, be of good courage. And He doesn't want us to live angry. I'm glad I did not have an angry father. I'm glad I did not have a bitter dad. He had a temper. Yeah, He he could get angry, but he was not an angry person. And he cared about his children, and I knew it. I knew it. And as I watched him pace up and down the the neighborhood at night, burdened and praying for his oldest son, I saw how much he cared. And I said, you know what? I don't want to put my dad through that. Because I know he cares about me. Wouldn't it be a different relationship if our children knew that we had their best interest at heart and that we really loved them? Maybe they would conduct themselves in a different way. I really believe there's a lot of kids growing up, they just want to put right back in the face and the teeth of their parents when they get older. I'll show them. church we need revival in our homes we need the help of God in our homes and God gives us an order and they're real simple things but that doesn't mean they're not difficult